1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumbacasino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. DTW, report, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? they come on third and five. Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in
0: touchdown. Zach Wilson a magic trick. Now the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Two minutes, Barry. That was Sauce Gardner coming in hot. Garrett Wilson, here he goes. Goodbye and ho, Enzo. And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who?
1: You only got one guess, Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brace Hall, looking
0: for history. Paul. With his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen, thank you. From the
3: playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like A Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like A Jet 1. And it's time for part three of the mailbag with our friend who hosts Blewett's Blitz over at jetsxfactor.com, Mr. Joe Blewett. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Coffee and Jets. He says. Thinking of Connor McGovern's performance, Joe, when you are watching film on centers, how can you assess if they're doing their job in terms of setting protections? Or can you only really tell how they're performing with their own blocking? Joe, I'll let you answer this one.
4: Yeah, so I, I think I think a really important part, and it really depends on how much time you have to watch film because let's 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 be completely honest and I'll be honest. Do I do I watch film with the same really driven intent that I do, uh, like week one to week 17? No, not necessarily. There are some days where I'm tired, there are some days I'm lazy or I want to get through it, where I'm not going to pay as much attention. But I think a really good um, thing to do is, one, look through quotes in the media and see exactly who's calling the offense, who's setting the protections. If it's, if it's just the center, if it's a mixture of quarterback and center and they communicate, if it's just quarterback. Uh, so that's a good way to look at who's exactly calling those plays. And I think another part of that, again, if you have time, and for any of the all twenty-two film watchers out there, the way that Game Pass setup is absolutely brutal. It's the dumbest setup of anything I've ever seen in my entire life. So to go between broadcast and and the game film is is, is brutal. But if you have the time, go to um, go to the broadcast and try to listen to who's who's making those calls. See if it's McGovern or or Zach Wilson. But for the for the most part, you go to the media, see who calls it, and then and look at the play. look at the play results. Obviously, you have to. Um, understand the blocking assignments. You have to understand the differences between a guy just locking in the backside zone blocking or, 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 or shuffling in their in their gap protection. You have to know the differences between two-jet and three-jet and, and running back protections and all this stuff, which is really intricate. Um, so if, if, if you hear McGovern calling, he's calling the right thing, but then, you know, I, I don't know, Elijah Eric Tucker or Lakin Tomlinson overset um, their, their assignment. It's not necessarily McGovern's fault because he called the right thing, but the individual did not um execute the the plan properly so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird mixture of looking for the media to see who calls it listening to see who calls it and then looking at the outcome and and trying to see what he what he called because listen you could call a wrong protection like you could you could call you could call a two jet where the center slides left and really you thought that based on the defensive alignments he should have slid slid right and the running back should have been set opposite I and mean, then he fills in uh, from the left side instead of the right side. It, it could be the littlest type of things that can matter to, depending on the defensive front you see. Um, typically with, with young teams, it's obvious – or young quarterback it, it is the center. Um, it is – again, it's hard to quantify. It's really intricate. Uh, you really have to, to dive deeply into that. But I don't think he's necessarily had an issue with, with calling protections. I think the Jets have had uh, – and I don't want that even part of the questions, but in general, you know, when you have guys like GVR out there, it's going to make the center uh, air quotes calling the protections look bad.
3: GVR is an above-average guard, haven't you heard?
4: Yeah, I heard that. I heard that the Jets don't need corners. I've heard a bunch of crazy things this <laughs> offseason. But, yeah, I'm surprised they weren't able to bring back GVR. You know, an average guard is a backup. I feel comfortable with them. Uh, but, yeah, that was one, one of the more crazy things I've, I've heard this offseason.
3: Next question comes in from one of our writers over at playlikeajet.com, Sharman Phillip. He says, What do you guys think about the idea that the best defense is a good offense? Yes, obviously, if your offense is really good, it makes life easier on the defense, but people keep talking like defense doesn't matter in the NFL, that it's an offensive league, and defense is just an afterthought, and yes, I agree, it's an offensive league, certainly. But look at what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. They ran into a Bengals team that knew how to defend them and knocked them out. The Bengals actually played really good defense throughout the playoffs, and they were this close to winning the Super Bowl. Now, the Bengals were able to score points too, but my point is while offense may be king, defense absolutely is important. So, yes, having a really good offense helps your defense, but I also think having a really good defense helps the offense. You heard Robert Sala say that. If the defense does its job and they're able to make sure that the opposing team gives the Jets the ball back more often... I think that helps Zach Wilson. It certainly helps the offense's confidence as well. So it goes hand in hand. You could argue that offense is more important, but I don't think it's just offense. It's got to be a little of both. You cannot have a bad defense and expect to win. Yes, it's possible. If you have an incredible offense like we saw from the Chiefs, you can win a Super Bowl that way. But more often than not, you need at least a respectable defense.
4: Yeah. And like you said, like a good defense can also be a good offense. Like how much was really mm-hmm. asked out of Mark Sanchez, you know, in, in his, in his two first years with, with the number one defense and, you know, obviously the good offense with the offensive line, the running game, etc. But like, I feel like people are, and, and, and like, obviously like, yes, like, okay. A good, a good defense uh, or a, you know, good defense. Yeah. Being, or uh, no, good offense taking or being good defense. Yeah. Technically, like you said, if, if they're controlling the ball for 12 minutes, every single drive and the other team is knocking on the field. Great. Um, but how often is that going to happen? Like every situation is different. Every game is different. Like people are very reactionary. And one of the games people bring up was okay. Well, the you know the Bills had a good defense. Look at their, their look at their safety combo. and Look what the Chiefs did in the in, in the playoffs. Defense doesn't matter. But at the same time, just you what know, well, just the last Super Bowl before that was. You know the Pats in the Rams, or was that two, even two years before? That? I forget exactly. But mm-hmm. the you know it, the score was like twelve to nine or whatever it was. So did, did defense matter there? Or you know like so it's it's all dependent up, upon the situation. Um But yes, I guess technically a good a, a good offense is is a is a good defense because they're not on the, on the field. But like you said, you want to balance. Like if anything, I like if I could take. Okay, a team with a really good offense but a bad defense, or a really good defense but a bad offense, or average at both. I'm taking average at both. So I think it's I think it's a a, fi- a you know a fine dance between between the two the two parties. Both matter to the other.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash.
3: Next question comes in from Rodlop. He says, "How do you think the Jets will approach the run defense with the current defensive line personnel? Is there any chance they can be successful at stopping the run game as their current roster stands? What do you think, Joe?"
4: Last year they were absolutely miserable. Um, again, now they're they're adjusting from a three four to a four three, and if you're not going to like it's like with a four three penetrating front, especially if you don't have linebackers like. For the defensive line to be good, like they're either going to be good or bad in the run game. Like I don't really feel like there's an in-between younger four-three team with not good linebackers or safeties behind them. So they're they're definitely put in a tough position, um, you know, last year and then this year going into it. Listen, I don't expect them to be overly successful, and and it, and it's a and it's one of my concerns. Like we hear all this stuff about how light the Jets are in camp with like seven on sevens and throwing the ball and then you pair that with a, a young team who's not tackling a lot going to play the AFC North right off the jump, it is concerning. Um, and especially when you talk about their personnel, You know they struggled mightily last year. And, oh, by the way, Scott, as you know, they only have lost their best run defender, and they didn't do anything to really replace him unless you consider Solon Thomas a, a capable replacement for Foley uh, Fado which, if so, I would put that on the crack pipe. Past that, um, I think that the, the players can be more successful because – now you have Q, who's more who's more used to taking aggressive steps up the field. Where when we talked about his his Bama tape, uh, Scott, we're talking about him in, a, in that light stance and, and playing more reading and react, and how successful he was with that. Where again, everything is just amplified in that four three scheme, and, and everything ha- just has to process quicker. So for guys like Quincy and, or uh, or Q and um, and Shepard and Rankins and all these guys to be in the system year two, I think they do take a a jump up just because of the of their. Familiarity with the system, but at the same time, can I see them being like like successful and good in the run game? No, I, you know I don't I don't think they're they're going to be that because uh, of the of the personnel and none of them are really true run stuffers. Like, and if the Jets staff, which they've insinuated at least, maybe I think they've insinuated that you know they rather play a guy like Q on pass rush downs. Okay, let's say it is Q playing on more pass rush downs, and said, the pass rush teeth def- or our primary pass rush defense is is uh, you know Q JFM Lawson and. Jacob Martin or Vinnie Curry—that would probably the, the, be the best four to me. And if you're trying to keep Q fresh, now you're rotating in what Nathan Shepard, Solomon Thomas, <laughs> JFM at DN, and somebody else. That, you know, like at the other DN spot from the run defense. I don't have a lot of faith in the interior defensive line. I do have more faith in with guys like JJ coming in um, and some more depth. And then on top of that, if you're going to factor in, you know, if we're going to expand past the defensive line, we're talking about a good tackling corner and Sauce and Reed and Whitehead and all that stuff. Uh, but just for the defensive line, yeah, a slight improvement just because of familiarity, um, but I still think they're going to struggle. So a successful year for me, or or a a successful year to me for this year would be from taking that leap from, like, what, Scott? I I don't know if you know the rankings of last year. I'm going to assume, let's just say 32 because it was terrible, the run defense. If they could take a leap just to, like, the 23rd best run defense, I think that's massive for the Jets because I think the pass defense would be much better. I think they're going to be getting more sacks. I think they're going to be getting more turnovers. So if they can somewhat limit the ground game, um, that'll be a huge step up. But I think a big part of that de- is, is dependent upon the Jets and their offense, which kind of goes back to Sharman's question about good offense being, you know, good defense, etc. cetera. Um, because if the Jets let teams get up on them by, by two scores, if those teams are, are smart, they're going to start doing what the Pats did. And I talked about this going into the year last year and, I, and talking about the Pats matchup in week two, the Pats run a lot of gap and, and traps and, all of that kind of stuff and, and uh, pin and folds and pin and pulls and all that stuff. And I was concerned about the run defense because that's the primary weakness of a four, three. And then they struggled and they struggled for the rest of the year because, because teams are copycats. So if they're going to let teams get up on them quick this year, they're going to have to find a way to combat that. I'm not necessarily sure they have the personnel to do so. So again, I, I think being 32nd to 22nd is a large enough, a large enough leap for this defense um, to be considered a, a, a good defense. Because, listen, that's never going to be the primary strength of this defense where, again, I think the pass rush the corners are going to be much, much better. So if you're looking at the 20-second run defense, which, again, I don't think they're going to necessarily reach, I think you're looking at a defense that could be average to um, plus average. And making a leap of, of 10 spots, again, however you quantify that, um, while losing your best run defender is, again, Probably over, overly optimistic, but but uh, we, sh- we shall see. Again, they will be tested very, very early uh, on that, facing the AFC North right off the jump, which, again, thank you, NFL schedule makers.
3: Next question comes in from Tom. He says, if you had to bet on any of the Jets' rookies to win Rookie of the Year, which one would you bet on considering the current mm-hmm. odds? So here are the current odds, Joe, and I talked about this on the show with Walter Pinsky earlier this week. Garrett Wilson is plus 1800, Brees Hall is plus 750, and Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson are both plus 1200. So I said this with Walter, I would absolutely go with Brees Hall, I know that he's got the highest odds, so obviously plus 750, it's definitely less of a cash in than if say Garrett Wilson does it at plus 1800, but... I think Brees Hall, especially this year where there wasn't a blue chip quarterback in the draft and we don't even know for sure that Kenny Pickett's going to start in Pittsburgh, that gives Brees Hall a tremendous chance to really get in there and be the rookie of the year because typically these running backs produce at a much higher level early on than wide receivers. Sometimes there's exceptions, Jamar Chase being one of them. Usually though the rookie of the year on the offensive side of the ball winds up being a quarterback or a running back Brees Hall is probably the best running back in this draft Best position to have really good numbers year number one It would be interesting too because Joe the Jets have had four guys in their history that have won defensive rookie of the year Eric McMillan did it in 1988 Jonathan Vilma did it in 2004. Sheldon Richardson did it in 2013. And Hugh Douglas did it in 1995. There's never been a Jet that's won Offensive Rookie of the Year. But I think this could be the year. And my issue is, too, with Garrett Wilson, he's got competition for receptions from Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, the two tight ends, even Michael Carter and Reese Hall. And then on the defensive side of the ball... I don't know that Jermaine Johnson's going to make enough splash plays to be rookie of the year. I think he has a chance to have a good rookie season – but I don't know that he's going to be having 10-12 sacks or anything like that, which is what you usually expect from a Rookie of the Year. And Sauce Gardner, I think, can play really well, but you know how that goes. He can have a really good year as a defensive back, but unless he has a ton of interceptions, he probably isn't going to get a lot of defensive Rookie of the Year votes. So I think Brees Hall is by far the best bet there. And at plus 750, I think it's a really solid value.
4: Yeah, let's start with the defensive guys. Um, typically corners don't don't win it. and Obviously, people are all about the stats with corners. Like, Rebus' best years are still being underrated because he didn't necessarily have stats, which is ridiculous to me because if you're doing your job, you're not going to get thrown at, but people seem to just completely forget that. So, I, I doubt it'll be sauce. Typically, like you said, it's a, it's a defensive lineman. Uh, maybe, like, a flashy linebacker, but that's even more rare. Um, past that, uh, you have Jermaine Johnson, who, um, you know, obviously for us, it's, it's good that we have depth, but at a certain point, like, he he's in a – have to make a massive impact on it not a lot of reps because uh, I, I at first, if you're telling me okay he's a he's a primary run defender I get that but right now you know one v one on the edge third and ten as a pass rusher I'm taking Lawson over him obviously uh, I'm gonna take Jacob Martin I'm gonna take Vinny Curry which people are gonna think it sounds crazy but let's not think that this gets a finished product in year one like he's gonna have to develop Vinny Curry's been around um, he's good technically he's he's good um, in a limited role. And then, say, and then, same thing with Jacob Martin, who I think is probably honestly a little bit underrated by Jets fans at this point. I actually really like that signing. Um, so JJ is not going to be in all the time on passing downs, even if you think he's going to be in a little bit more than me. It's still not going to be enough to make that defensive like rookie of the year, rookie of the year type of impact. Offense, like you said with Garrett Wilson, um, to me he's probably pretty easily the fifth or sixth option on this on this uh, on this offense. I, I think initially. You know, Corey Davis is over him. Uh, Elijah Moore is over him. Maybe he takes over Corey Davis. You'd say the tight ends, maybe both individually are over him, but if not, at least as a group, they're going to get targeted more than him. And then, same thing with the running backs. Maybe individually, they're both uh, they both get more touches than him, um, but at least as a group. So you're looking at him being again the fourth, fifth, sixth option in an offense that is very difficult to to learn for receivers. It's easy on quarterbacks but receivers have to learn a lot of route adjustments and how to read defenses and how to break off the routes, you know, adjusting to said defenses and how the corner responds. So it's not efficient. That is very easy to, to learn for for said rookie. And again, there's a lot of options over him. So I would say no to him. Um, and Brees Hall, I think is the, is the safer bet. The only one you really have a, a decent chance at. So I would, that, that'd be the one I'd bet on. To again, um, obviously a guy who I think in years past would be a first round running back uh, paired with a, what should be a good offensive line and a better run blocking offensive line at their peak than a pass blocking offensive line with a system that is run heavy with a young quarterback which also is conducive to a team that runs the ball a little bit more so he's set up in kind of a perfect storm to get that rookie of the year and like you mentioned Scott another good point is there's not that quarterback this year who's going to who's necessarily a shoo-in to take it so i very it's a very good perfect storm for for uh, Brees all to take home that offensive rookie of the year or rookie of the year in general
3: Joe last question and this was inspired by our friend Glenn Naughton who talked about this a little bit Here are the players that the Jets have that are making over 10 million dollars in 2022 CJ Mosley 17.5 million Carl Lawson 15.3 million Corey Davis 13.6 million John Franklin Myers 12 million George Fant 11 million Quinn Williams 10.5 million Connor McGovern 10.3 million of those players, which ones do you think are likely to come back next year, and which ones do you think are not likely to come back?
4: Yeah, so it depends. It, I, like it obviously dep- And again, I don't have all the numbers in front of me. But assuming that I have Glenn's feet, I just pulled it up. But I don't have the numbers for next year. But assuming that they can save the, the all the space um that's listed on this list, then then yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a conversation. Again, I'm not completely privy to all the dead cap numbers if they were to cut them. But let's say they save most of the cap um yeah mosley at about 17 million dollars there's absolutely no way i, I do think that they re- renegotiate to get him down to I, I think like a reasonable price i think he's probably more of like a 10 11 million dollar player at this point but if they can renegotiate him to you know 12 13 i think it's a conversation but there's no guarantee he is back and obviously this all stems around how much value do they have how much value do they feel like in for position? what are the chances they feel they can pick up at a guy because like listen we can't act like, oh well, yeah, just cut CJ Mosley. Okay, well who's replacing him at the same point. So it's all relative to that and what they feel about the twenty twenty three free agency. But yeah, Mosley's not a shoe in at that number, I would say absolutely not. Lawson, fifteen million dollars, you know, again, and assuming that's the, uh, similar to, to next year, you're looking at, you know, you're hoping he gets 10, 12 sacks for that price. Is he going to? Does he have the opportunity to? And at what point does the rotation kind of limit not not limit effectiveness, but how much does the rotation limit how much you could pay at individual if you're only pay, if you're only playing lost at sixty percent of the snaps, does he deserve to make fifteen million dollars a year? He better be impactful on the plays he, he does play. So there's no guarantee um he's back. Davis, thirteen point six. Um yeah, it's a little high and again, depending on the free agent market, how they feel about the free the, the, the uh the draft uh or the receivers in the draft. I could see him being released at the same point, listen, guys like Zay Jones getting paid ten million dollars and Christian Kirk who one for one, again, I will have to watch Kirk, but uh, based on my knowledge, both the guys, Corey Davis and Christian Kirk are similar players. If Corey Davis might be a little bit, bit even better than him and he's making $17 million. So the receiver market blew up. So Davis getting 13.6 is actually not so bad of a deal. Um, JFM 12 million. I, I, again, he had a shitty situation last year where the ends get injured and he's, and he's forced to end instead of where he's making his bread and butter on the inside. So, uh, I think he's probably pretty safe. JFM and, and Q, um, Fant. I, I have a I have a feeling he'll be brought back just because again he doesn't have you know a lot of tread wasn't taken off the tires. Uh, you know, playing backup tight or backup offensive linemen, swing tack a little bit of tight end for the Seahawks. He's twenty nine thirty, but he's a young twenty nine thirty, a captain. Um, so I, I think he's probably brought back, but again, not a shoo in. And the last two guys, uh, Quinnen. You know, again, uh, I, I think he's a lock at this point. Like, exercise a fifth year option, tag him if you have to figure out what he is, but he'll be back um, for his what next year will be his fourth year or fifth year. Um, and then McGovern, I think $10 million is quite reasonable for what he is. I, I think, you know, a mid level to maybe plus level starting center. Um, which, I, again, I, I think to a certain point with, with McGovern, when you have guys at GVR playing next to him, it is easy to lump both their plays into to one another. So I think him being around guys like Tomlinson and ABT this year um, will also raise kind of his or people's opinions of McGovern as well. So $10 million for getting an average to plus average starter, I think is fine for a center. But at the same point, at the same, at the same token, uh, do the Jets feel so they can replace him? Is he long term? Because they could they be comfortable with a guy. Um, but not feel he's long-term and then replace him or they can be okay. You know, he's not our primary concern this year, but are there replacements? Okay. There's no replacements. We'll keep, him. you know, again, it all depends on, on said market, but, uh, yeah, I'd say Q's only locked, but I, I also have strong feeling that JFM, uh, and, uh, fan will also be back uh, next year.
3: That's going to wrap up part three of the mailbag. Visit playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel to check out everything we're doing over there. The Thunder from down under, Luke Grant, has got some great all-22 breakdowns of all the Jets draft picks. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's TEEpublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers Quinn and Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tee
2: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.